Hey, it's Chris Jericho here. You are watching The Edge of NFT, and we're going to blow your mind with the information that we're dropping on you today about all of the pain maker activities coming up. Plus, you're going to find out what my prize possession is. Can you guess what it is? Nope, you're wrong. Wait and see. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out why an intergalactic former serial killer is disrupting the pages of a graphic novel near you. And where you can buy a punch in the face from today's guest. And why 14-pound branded bowling balls are the next big idea in swag bags. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Chris Jericho, creator of the Painmaker graphic novel, and David Shapiro, founder of Semcore Studios, a unique creative consulting and media agency. Acclaimed actor, wrestler, musician, author, podcaster, and television personality, Chris Jericho has established himself as a multifaceted performer with tens of millions of fans worldwide. Chris's initial two NFT series sold out quickly over the past six months. He views the space as similar to the early days of MTV and YouTube. As a result, he has expanded his collaboration with Semcore to create a graphic novel based on his original character, The Painmaker, which will also be sold as NFTs in the near future. Get a little bit about David Shapiro, which I uh, did memorize and rehearse in my dreams last night. He founded Semcore over 25 years ago to explore the intersection of art and tech. His experiences with music, Chinese medicine, and technology have fostered a holistic approach to businesses that looks to accomplish multiple objectives in the same process. Central to this method is to integrate student training and philanthropy into all Semcore productions, including recently a fundraising effort for student scholarships as part of Kevin Smith's NFT film. Finally, Semcore is focused on artistic-centric productions that fit within the efficient streamlined development and production model it has developed. All projects are carefully chosen, inexpensive, and in partnership with recognized filmmakers. Their approach to development in combination with Semcore's talent network gives them access to unique projects positioned well for the ever-expanding streaming media market. Chris is ready to chit chat. Welcome, sir. Welcome, David. Welcome, Chris. First of all, I feel bad that I didn't get the Edge of NFT hat. So I'm just going to wear that. There you go. Is it backwards though? Listen, man, a lot of people would settle for that. We do get a lot of requests for the hat. Watch this. I'll sign it and we'll sell it. There's the next NFT right there. Order now. Only 10 available. There's a mint last year, Chris. So you're a little late to the party, but you know how it goes. FOMO is hard in our space. It's like you missed the ticket to the wrestling match. It is what it is. We got to do a little bit of origin story here, though, because 
there's so much to this and so much to what you're doing, Chris. So let's talk a little bit about the genesis of the Painmaker character and the journey that you've been on to get it to where it is as an NFT now. Long story short, like Ethan mentioned, so David produced and was very integral in Kilroy Who's Here, the movie that Kevin Smith released as I think the first ever full-length feature film NFT. Because I was in that movie, I had a connection with David. We started talking about doing something with an NFT. Now, when I first heard the initials NFT, I really had no idea what it was. What does that mean? It's a non-fungible token. I, I'm not even trying to be funny. I thought, is that some kind of a, like a mushroom, like a fungus? Like, what does this even mean? Is it like some food product? And then I was, of course, put into my place that no, NFT is the way that art is going to be basically consumed in the future. And then figured it out very quickly exactly what we were dealing with here. And that's something, too, that when I'm talking to guys like yourselves and in your fan base, we're on the other side. We understand what NFTs are. We get it. We're into it. There's a whole community. When you're on the other side, on the other side of the wall, where the White Walkers are, people think you're insane talking about NFTs. Oh, come on. It's not real. And it's not this. I'm thinking to myself, this is probably the same type of people that 15 years ago when they said, here's a DVD of my new movie. If I said to you, well, 15 years from now, DVDs will mean nothing. You can watch everything from your phone. They'd probably go, oh, you're insane. You don't know what you're talking about. It'll never happen. And of course, here we are. I understood the importance of what an NFT was and what it could be. I wanted to do something special within the space, get involved, but not just have Chris Jericho in the wrestling ring with flashing lights and some smoke. I wanted to do something different and do something like more original and unique and really take advantage of this space and what an NFT is, like I said. And I had this character that I was playing in Japan called the Painmaker. And the Painmaker was, to me, what would a serial killer be if they were a pro wrestler? And I kind of created this character based around that. And I thought the Painmaker should be more than just a character that appears in a match every few months or whenever I'm in Japan or whatever that might be. Maybe I could explore this character within the NFT universe and create a whole unique world based around this character in this new form of media. And that's kind of where it all started. That's really cool. And I think that the beauty and the challenge of the space is it's unlimited possibility, right? It kind of probably took you on, on a creative journey, right? You're totally right. Not to drive, but just to see how wide open it can be is a whole different realm. And like I said, it's funny for us that understand the possibilities of NFT and really what it is, just how much you could really do with this. Like even we'll get into everything, but the Painmaker graphic novel itself, I've had five or six different companies, let's do a graphic novel and it's, that's fine. And we appreciate the graphic novel and then the old school, I used to read them all the time myself as a kid. Now you can actually create a living, breathing graphic novel that changes. And if someone shoots a gun, you can see the shot, you can see the lightning in the weather, whatever it may be. It's so much more vibrant and alive and such a more immersive experience to read this graphic novel that when we think about it now, knowing what we know, 10 years from now, people will be going like graphic novel. Like who wants to open up a book and read it? Like we want the whole experience. Like I said, it's a perfect time to get involved in just that aspect of it. Never mind the millions of other things that we can do. But that to me really appealed to me of just creating I don't know. I'm sure there's other graphic novels and I'm sure there's many of them. I don't know if there is or not, but to me, I want to make this the first graphic novel that I've ever heard of and that I've ever seen involving this character that I think has a great, a whole potential of what we can do here. 
I'm an old school wrestling fan. I admit it. I had a Hulkamania wrestling buddy when I was a kid. I think about wrestling and how it's evolved with the times and has continued to stay relevant over many, many decades. And I think about sort of an analogy here, David, around sort of the comic industry and how it's reinventing itself and staying relevant and how NFTs provide that opportunity. And I know you're very passionate about storytelling in all its different genres with what you've done with your production company. Can you give us a little bit of a smidge of how you got started and how this kind of fits into your journey? Well, I would say that the graphic novel, along with Dungeons and Dragons, was the key inspirational energy for any creativity I express now. So I was very lucky, I feel, to have those twin things to work on and to create a vision of the world for me when I was young and things were more difficult. And I think that the graphic novel itself, no matter what happens in terms of streaming, metaverse, interactivity, there'll always be a space where someone wants to look at beautiful images that are sort of mysterious, tell a story to engage you to figure out. And I believe that this collaboration with Chris is great because we are linking that then with the metaverse interactive aspects of it. I also believe it solves a lot of problems in terms of cost. And for me, a background in Chinese medicine first and then this. I think it's very, very important to understand that the graphic novel really provided a place where people could be free, independent, where graphic novels now and comics now are in many ways much more corporate. The Paymaker character is this incredible character when Chris started talking about a serial killer struggling with himself, anti-hero, like a real anti-hero. Let's take that to Marvel. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think they're going to do it. Well, let me kind of explain to you another thing about Paymaker. Obviously, the character is more, it's not like Chris Jericho playing a character. I was thinking, like, kind of picking up what David said was, I've seen enough Spider-Man and Batman and Superman movies. I really have. And I like most of them. But I mean, how many times can we go back to the same guy over and over again? Sooner or later, someone's going to have to come up with a new superhero. And that's why I started really thinking about this pain maker and what exactly he could be. It is a serial killer, but it's a reformed serial killer, an intergalactic reformed serial killer who now spends his time on a hunt for other intergalactic serial killers. The problem is he still has an urge to kill innocent people deep down inside. And sometimes that comes out. So there's the anti-hero aspect of it. So now within the NFT universe, The pain maker can go into any galaxy. What's a serial killer? You want to go to a planet of crazy clowns? There you go. You want to go to a planet of half spider, half scorpions? Great. You want to go to a planet of talking shrubbery? I mean, whatever we want to do, we can do it. And maybe he has to come home to earth as well. What happens if he falls in love? What happens if he falls in love and the woman he's in love with, he has this urge to kill her? Like there's so much we can do with this character within this world of an antihero that Marvel might never do, but who's to say we couldn't do a whole feature film with the Painmaker as well? I mean, Kevin already approved that you can do your own feature film in the NFT universe. And is it so much harder to believe than it is, like I said, 15 years ago, here's my DVD of the Green Martian movie. Now you don't need the DVD. You just go to Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and you just watch it. Who's to say net NFT can't be whatever the NFT platform would be, whatever, whoever creates one, or maybe there's one already, you guys would know better than I would. Who's to say you couldn't just go and spend that $5.99 instead of getting it on Amazon, I'm going to get it on NFT. Yes, of course, because it's the new 
current world that people are now consuming entertainment. And don't even get me started on all the other things you could do and all the other outlets and worlds and forms that there is out there. But it just really, to me, it's so obvious. It's right here. But still, 75%, 80% of the world still doesn't even want to know about it. So they're behind the curve. I've never been behind the curve, ever. Not since I was 19 years old. So I have no problem being ahead of the curve. Same way that when I started my podcast, Talk is Jericho, in 2013, people still didn't know what a podcast was. But because I started early and formed a great fan base, now my podcast is top 200 in the world nine years later in a realm where there's over a million podcasts. And that's true. Two million podcasts now, man. So there you go. And that's in the 30 seconds since I said a million. It just keeps going, right? Yeah, no, it's in very few of them make it. I want to start a trend right on this show. No more NFT. We're now replacing this with programmable art because that is so much more in line with what you're actually doing in this space. What I'm excited about is that, yes, everyone talks about the decentralized aspect of it. Well, that is great. Most of that energy has been in sort of grand visions, which is fine, and sort of cryptocurrency and how much you can make. But the decentralized aspect for artist interaction is something else. This would allow if the community develops around this for us to all work together to make that pain maker animated series. And that's what excites me the most about it. The fact that the NFT becomes in this project a gateway into the thing as opposed to something that you're owning and trading. That being said, you could still do that. But I like the idea that it's audience artist interaction in a deeper way. This is what this project is all about. And we've kind of been skirting around it like whole time here, just opening up all these possibilities. Program See, I was going to say LaserDisc, but that was just my alternative. But I, yeah, programmable art that could work. Or maybe what was the eight track cassette? Eight track. Chris's character is so dynamic. I don't want to give away too much of it or the first story, but it is this first world that he's dealing with is quite a world where a mixture of occult and quantum energy got together and created quite a mess. So how do you see all of this stuff playing out in the metaverse, other graphic novels, your graphic novels, bringing all these things into the game? And what sort of stimulates your imagination in the coming months and years in terms of what could be done with a graphic novel? Now video games are so sophisticated, but does anyone remember going to get those video games either for your kids or yourself that like it's slow and you're going through a haunted mansion looking for Easter eggs and you're unlocking it? It's slow. Or there's more of those on the app, but you know what I'm talking about? These sort of older games, but they were immersive too in their own way. I see this graphic novel allowing all kinds of unlocking or finding additional content. This gets people involved. And I think it also gives people an opportunity maybe to communicate with Chris. Maybe they have an incredible idea or another world they should go to. And so we're figuring out all these contours of it. But I also know that we're not starting with this grand thing where there has to be a fully realized, technologically perfect Sony level metaverse to have this deep enjoyment. Dungeons and Dragons, which I played heavily, was just a piece of graph paper and imagination. And once again, the thing that I really like about starting with the Paymaker in the first two releases that we did, the first one, once again, when, when I was presented with the idea of an NFT, what exactly can we do? And I saw a lot of cool ones, but I didn't see anything that was really like someone's going the extra mile here. Because once again, if anything that you do, I don't care if you want to charge people a dollar or $1,000 or anything, whatever. It has to be great. If, if I'm putting my name on it, it has to be unique and great. If someone doesn't want to buy it, that's fine. 
I don't have a problem with that. But if someone does, I need to know that I gave it my all and that it's something that I, that I'm proud of selling. And we came up with the idea of doing like a basically a 15, 20 second animated short cartoon, if you will, on the pain maker. And he's standing there and there's music and there, the spikes come out of the jacket and there's fire in the eyes. And that was really cool. It sold out very quickly. Okay, well, let's do a second one. Well, what can we do? And I started thinking, well, why don't we try and do something for the second one that links to the first one? Even though we never had this plan of like one will link to two, you can easily do that. Let's say that the pain maker, when he is faced with some kind of danger, that's when the spikes come out and the fire starts and all that sort of thing. So then we came up with Arachtimonos, which was the intergalactic serial killer that was half scorpion, half spider. And then you see him and that's why he's a skunk. He would have sprayed his smell or if he's a whatever type of animal that would see something and get involved. Okay, now we got something. That's where the idea came from. It was almost like going with the flow. And something I always say in wrestling, I do it constantly, is you let the story lead you. You don't try and lead the story because then you're trying to put square pegs into into round holes. So the story of this was, well, people are interested in this first one. Let's create something that an extension of the first one. And now we have a little bit of a world. Well, what's the third extension? Let's create a whole cartoon, a whole novel, graphic novel, living, breathing story that continues what we started in this kind of almost like a little teaser trailer. And now we have a whole first episode, first installment. And that to me is really was organic. And that's always where you get the most success. And especially now learning from the programmable art universe and all this community that we have, there you go kudos to David, is that now we can almost lead the charge in whatever it is that I'm doing. Like I said, I know there's people that are so into this and understand every little way, shape and form. But for me, I think I'm leading a lot of people into this world like I did podcasting or whatever it may be. Right. I also see that you're like leading with pain in your Instagram. There's like a picture of your foot with a toenail ripped off and like beat up or he's got like a bandage on his head. Like clearly there's a pain theme in your life that's like transposing to this character once again this isn't chris like it's not going to be in the cartoon that in the graphic novel chris jericho is like no this is the pain maker it's a completely different guy it originally was an extension of me and there's people that have done this amazing artwork on the pain maker just from the few matches i had at the tokyo dome in japan but it was something interesting about it i remember like the third or fourth time i did it there was a makeup artist there the first time i did it in the states actually she was like do you want me to like paint these lines like right and i'm like no the idea is like supposed to be like gnarly and it's supposed to be like killer like he paints some shit on his face that's it right that's his war paint if it was like a kiss paul stanley perfectly formed star it's not the same things there is a little bit of a weirdness to this character because deep down inside he's a killer it's like david said i play dungeons and dragons too and this is like a dungeons and dragons character come to life where it's not you but it's your ideas and your thoughts and what would it be if i was this guy And I just love the fact that we can take that to this universe. And like I said to people that still don't quite get it, like I have my very first trading card was from Mexico. I was called Corazon de Leon back then. I was wrestling only in Mexico, Lionheart in Spanish. And it's a tops trading card from Mexico from 1993. Google it right now. It's the most expensive wrestling card in the world. People are trying to sell it for $500,000. Here's my point. I have one of those cards. I just don't know where the hell it is. I can't find it anywhere. I've looked through storage. I've looked through everywhere. On the day I die, I'll probably grab a book from a shelf, fall dead, and the fucking thing will come out of the book somehow. My point is, if I bought that now as programmable art, as an NFT, 
I would never lose it ever. I would always know exactly where it is and know what I could do with it. And that's another thing about NFTs. You don't have to worry about losing your Wayne Gretzky rookie card that was in mint condition, which is another thing I lost just recently. I know it's here somewhere. I love the new modern way of doing things where we can buy a pain maker graphic novel and you can have it. And you never have to worry about getting dog ear or someone spilling a coffee on it or somebody losing it. You know, that's another thing about NFTs that people don't quite grasp yet is you will never lose this. It's always there. And I think that's something that's very important when you think about some of these older way of, of looking and consuming art, you can lose it and have it burn very easily. For sure, man. Point of point you're saying of Chris leading a bunch of new people here, this is true. When we did his first two drops, they both sold out very quickly, but we allowed people to pay by, it's not so new now, by credit card or PayPal. Through this method, by integrating it into normal e-commerce flows, we intend to bring this to his natural audience base too. And to people who are not involved with crypto and teach them that way. Yeah, you don't necessarily even need to know that you're buying something that is on the blockchain, right? Or that is an NFT. What you know is that you're participating in the creation of this thing, this idea, this story. And it's cool. The story of the story, I want to go back to a little bit because it's really interesting. So Chris, you developed this character. It was based in part on you, but then it became this thing. This It had this life of its own that it took on. You know, throughout this process, the evolution of technology and storytelling, it's evolved in this much bigger way. And I think going forward, you've indicated that there is this collaborative kind of community-oriented process here behind this that's helping to dictate the story from here. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like, how do you intend to kind of be the conduit for the story being told? How do you intend to facilitate this community becoming involved in where the pain maker goes next? I think the first two drops were experiments to see what kind of, I don't want to use the word market because that's not a good, what kind of interest and what kind of understanding there is for NFTs within my fan base. And I think one of the things that David did very well is we hooked up with the right podcast, media, whatever it is that you guys call yourselves, show with the right shows, with the right people who understood the community. And that to me was really, really important because once again, you don't want to try and sell something to somebody that doesn't want to buy. And as the years and months, years go by, more and more people understand. I just did San Diego Comic-Con to talk about the Paymaker graphic novel. And there's more people now who are like, okay, I'm starting to understand more about this NFT and this blockchain and this programmable art. Wasn't too sure about it three months ago, but I've heard a couple more. That's how it works. Like I said, going back to... I can't say it enough, even, you know, the DVDs or cassettes, you mentioned eight tracks. I mean, that's a long time ago, but people still, even 15 years ago, liked having that piece of art product in their hand. Now it's like books are Kindle and music is all Spotify and, and that sort of thing. So I think the most important thing is to take it to the streets and to the people who understand it. Those are the ones who get on it first and foremost, and then the word of mouth spreads. And like I said, in my case with the pain maker, I'm telling you, man, and I obviously have done a lot of stuff in my life that people went, you're crazy. You'll never be a wrestler. You'll never be in a rock and roll band with a gold album. You'll never have your own NFT graphic novel. Well, the same people that say, well, you'll never have your own Painmaker movie. It's like, watch me, see what happens. Because sooner or later, there has to be a new way of doing things. And I'll tell you this, and we can move on. I know just from a studio system, not everybody wants to make movies with Marvel. Not everyone wants to make movies with Sony Pictures. Not everybody wants to release records with Sony music. 
And I think the next stage for musicians, Joe Bonamassa already started at one of the greatest blues guitar players right now. He's releasing his music as NFTs. Why? Because he takes back control. You don't have to give 80% to the record company anymore. You just release it as your own product. Suddenly people are buying their own. I think it's going to be the way that music goes back to the artists as well. And probably movies too. So like I said, I'm sure there's a lot of studios and corporations that don't like this conversation right now. It's the way it is. The genie's out of the bottle. And once this becomes a more accepted thing, I bet you everyone's going to jump in with both feet. And we'll be sitting there on top of the mountain going, I told you so. Later than some, but earlier than most is what we like to say. And I think the more you can get that community in the mix, right, and involved in the storytelling, involved in really having a stake in the outcome of this adventure, man, the better it's going to be. It's already obviously very successful. Obviously very successful. Did any of you ever watch the original Aeon Flux on MTV? Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, for sure. That was a very mysterious, beautiful piece. There was little shorts after little shorts. And you wondered, I wondered, what was this world? You dropped right into it. We're trying to make the pain maker in that spirit. There's a big world behind it, believe us, that we've built out. But we don't want to go over explain it. And if there's an audience, we want them to help decide what areas get built out or what areas of the metaverse get built out, maybe what kind of story and sub-story gets told. But one of the most exciting things, and I understand there's a lot of regulatory thinking about it, disclaimer language there, proof that I'm not offering anything, but I'm saying that I believe there's a mechanism here by which people in a better way than Kickstarter can join together. So when they start seeing the pain maker and they want to see, say, this frame, the fight, so the background of where that fight started, where the graphic novel can't capture, that they can decide to join together through an NFT offering. And all of a sudden, we have more than enough money to build this out directly with the audience. And even though we're giving like a low-cost entry into it because we want everybody to join, to still, whether they understand it or not, they still own that access and it's a unique piece of art. And maybe over time it gets valued. But I think we're actually first to the second wave. I think that the first wave was rush, just like the rest of the economy, overheated, grandiose. And now look, the tide rolls back and what's left is solid. And I think what we're doing in terms of storytelling here, working with people like yourself, is to try to really now figure out in a more realistic way, sustainable way, how to make incredible self-sustaining projects. And I think that's the best aspect of Web3. That's exactly what we're about. I mean, if you people who notice our tagline that has really been a guiding light for us from the very start, top 1% in NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. Because we kind of knew that was a burgeoning world, a lot of exciting things, a lot of things that are going to be at the top of the news in the moment. But then there's also like these diehard players who not only didn't just get into it, but they've been into the Web3 blockchain space for nearly 10 years, right? Just with their heads down working on stuff. And it's almost like even those people that have been around longer will probably then therefore be around even longer. Obviously, so the Painmaker is a character that's created. How can people get involved? Well, listen, I'm a huge Batman fan of the 70s. So Bob Kane creates Batman. But then when Neil Adams takes over and Denny O'Neill takes over writing it, you've got these other people that are obviously fans of Batman taking it into a different direction. I see the same thing with the Painmaker in this universe. Yes, I created it. Yes, David is the producer. But there's people out there that'll probably think, oh, wait till I get a hold of the Painmaker from a graphic standpoint or from a writing standpoint. And that's what you want. 
You own the character, but have at it, guys. Make this the coolest freaking character of all time. And that's another thing I really like about this space and this community is people can really grab a hold of that and take it whichever way they want to. It's great. I'm glad we can be with you a little bit longer too. But you know, definitely before we wrap up this segment, we kind of just want to get some final thoughts from each of you, kind of of where you see the space, where it's going, what are your favorite things coming up? What are you looking forward to get into? Just give us a little bit on that before we wrap this segment and get into quick hitters. Why don't we start with you, Chris? What would be some like final thoughts you'd like to give to those fans of NFT? I think the literal sky is the limit because this is basically untapped and it's uncharted waters and it can go as far as we want. I know from my own personal standpoint, I love the fact that we can do Painmaker graphic novel. We can do a Painmaker movie. We can create a Painmaker virtual amusement park. We can do a Painmaker, I don't know, you name it, a video game, whatever it might, whatever we want to do. I think from a music standpoint, I mean, obviously, I think when bands start releasing records directly to NFT, that changes the whole game as well. We already saw Kevin Smith do it with movies. TV shows have already started. So to me, this is the next version of, like I keep saying, this physical Blu-ray DVD. Now it's becoming the new way of streaming, the new way of going on to Amazon, Hulu, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now you own a piece of it as well. And you can contribute if you have ideas. There's a direct line that we don't have to worry about. How do I get my script read now? How do I get known? Because you just have a whole community that can do all of these things. I'm still learning about the podcasting game nine years in. I'm excited to see how much more we can start with, how much more we can go with this. And we've only just basically barely started. So it's very exciting to me. Awesome. Dude, it is so inspiring. David, any final thoughts before we kick into the next segment? I'm going to stick with what the theme I brought up before. I think that we're on the verge now of allowing artists and audiences to build between themselves incredible stories. And I think that's where my focus will remain. Beautiful. Wow. Mic drop on that. We appreciate it. It's great having you guys here on the edge of programmable art. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. 
Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We want to move over to segment two. So that's Edge Quick Hitters, as Ethan mentioned. So this is basically a fun and quick way for us to get to know you a little bit better. There's 10 questions. We ask every single guest on all you know, 170 whatever episodes we've done so far. Same 10 questions every single time. We're looking for short single word or few word responses, but we may dive a little bit deeper. So uh, we'll dive in. You guys ready? Sure. All right. Awesome. Chris, we'll start with you, man. Question number one. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Beach Boys, Summer Fun, eight track tape off of the uh, TV commercial. That's probably eight. Awesome. <laughs> David, how about you? I remember, this is so funny, the Columbia Record Club. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, man. 10 records for one cent. That's where I got Billy Joel's The Stranger. I had no idea who he was or what it was, and it blew my mind. Oh, I bet. Holy cow. Wow, that's awesome. Question number two, Chris. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Hockey cards. We used to have hockey cards and you would go try and sell them to your friends for like five cents or then try and trade them for the ones that you needed. Got it. Yeah, totally. David, how about you? I grew up in Kansas and the first thing I tried to sell was my service as a weed picker. Go around money for picking weed out of people's yards. That works, man. That does a trick. Question number three, Chris, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Most recent thing I purchased, probably this Zoom recorder right here that I'm uh, talking to you with because my other one broke. I do all my podcasting through this portable Zoom. I just got that a couple of days ago. What's the model? It's called a Zoom. It's an H6 Zoom. It's a great way to record, even if you want to record music or anything. It's awesome. Very cool. David, how about you? Can I show you? Sure. It's all right. If I stand up, I'll go above the frame. Let's check it out. As long as it doesn't have to do with you taking your pants down, you're good. I felt like he had shorts on before, though. We don't ever know. For the listener, he's just went back, pulled something out of a cabinet. And right now he is Badger comic book. Wow. Badger is the most amazing thing. It's my favorite comic. Very cool. Favorite comic of all time. And hopefully one day I'll get to work with that team and bring it on to the blockchain. I just bought that. I had to bid against somebody on eBay. So Very cool. All right. Question number four, Chris, what is the most recent thing you sold? I don't know. But what, what have I really been selling lately? Just my wares as a wrestler and a musician. I can't think of actually going out in the street and starting a lemonade stand or anything like that. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're slaying digitally, physically, whatever. Yeah, that works. Didn't sell much. What's the recent thing I sold? A punch to the face in a wrestling match. There's some wrestling humor for you. Nice. Who can sell a punch in the face? That's great. First punch in the face on this show, period. Awesome. David, how about you? Well, I would say that uh, whole Kilroy NFT drop was the last big thing I sold. Nice. Big one for sure. Question number five, Chris, what's your most prized possession? Man, well, I'll show you something that's funny. So about 20 years ago, they made a Chris Jericho bowling ball. And I never knew that it, I could never find one. And I recently just got that in the mail from a fan. Chris Jericho bowling ball. That is solid, man. So it's not my most prized possession, but I finally got one. For the listener here, this is like, is the tone of that green or blue or what? I can't quite. Ocean teal. With like sparkles and then it's got like your logo. The holes are too, way too, just like for a little kid. I couldn't even use this if I wanted to. It's just a prop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a prop. There you go. Nice. So cool. Beautiful. David, how about you? 
we're talking about materialists. Wait a second, guys. I think I just thought of some new NFTLA merch. We give away bowling balls, NFTLA bowling balls in the swag bag. Much lighter than having to carry that around on an airplane. 50-pound dumbbells for everybody. Count me in. Show me where the whitelist is for that. I think that will reduce our merch budget because not too many people are going to take the bowling ball. Quite an image I can see capturing that on film. Just people walking through the crowd with bowling balls and no one knows what's going on. I love it. So post-prime possession, that's just an object that you own, right? Yes, sir. I have a old Chinese sword that I've had for a very, very long time. I a lot of training on that. Very, very special. Very cool. We'll flip the order here. David, we'll start with you, man. Question six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? I'm satisfied, man. I don't need anything anymore. They're totally good. Now that we got the Badger comic, we're good. Got the Badger comic. I, I don't know what's left. If I asked you a few days ago, different story. If I could buy something, I actually have something that I would like. I don't even know if it exists. I would like Jamie Delano, who was the first writer of Hellblazer, to get that cover blown up and have Jamie Delano sign and buy it. Just show me how to do that. I'm in. There it is. All right, Chris, anything in the world you could buy, digital, physical service and experience currently for sale, what would it be? It's funny. I was looking to buy when Eddie Van Halen passed away. I was like, I found this uh, auction house that was selling an Eddie Van Halen guitar one of his Frankenstein guitars. And I was just thought, well, I wonder what that would cost. Let me just see. Like, I've never been in an auction before. It put away like a certain amount of money. And within like three seconds, that money, it was gone. It went like for five times as much. But at the same time, there was a Paul McCartney signed Hofner bass, which is that violin-like bass that he plays. It's actually hanging right there. I got it for the amount of money that I was going to pay for the Van Halen. I'm like, a Paul McCartney's got to be worth more than a Van Halen. So actually, I felt pretty good about my purchase. But I'm not a guy that w- looks for that sort of stuff, but I just thought that would be something really cool to, to hang on the wall. So that's what it's doing right over there. Yeah, man. It's the story. It's the history of it. That's the thing. Question number seven, David, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Persistence. Yes, sir. Get after it. Chris, how about you? Persistence is a good one, but just like following your dreams and following your goals and don't take no for an answer. Just make it happen. It's a different type of persistence, but just belief in yourself. Yeah, but Chris is better because you're in danger if you don't agree with him. I'll throw a bowling ball at you. You want to buy a punch in the face? Chris has got one. I wouldn't bet against you. I wouldn't either. Question number eight, David, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Persistence. All right, we'll go with that. Chris, how about you, brother? I don't like change on the floor, and it bothers me. I'd like to get rid of that foible. Yeah, I don't like change. See- Wait, you want to stop dropping change, or you want to stop getting bothered by it being on the floor? No, no, I don't like it when I see it. I don't like change on the floor of a car. I don't like, like if there's a penny on the floor of my house, I don't like it. It bugs me. You can tell I'm getting mad about it right now. You guys got change on your floor, you better take care of it. Maybe just get rid of that little, there you go. That would be a great NFT, like metaverse interaction, like change drops on the floor and all of a sudden Chris Jericho gets I would love that in a game, yeah. That's the thing that sets the character off. I'm putting down it with NFT fun. That's the porcupine spines, right? A change? No. Question number nine, David. What'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was working, this is true, with an illustrator for Chris's novel to go over some of the new pages, which I showed you, or a tease of that. How about you, Chris? I was at an appointment, then I had to go pick up some prescriptions at the drugstore. 
and then I let my dogs out so they could go pee. So there you go. The real behind the scenes. Things happen. Chop wood, carry water. There you go. No job too big or too small. All right. David, question 10. What are you doing next after the podcast? I'm going to get a glass of sangria. Maybe we should hang out a little bit after the podcast. Change mind. What's next? Chris, how about you, man? I'm coming over to your house for dinner. What are we having? Hey, let's go, man. I don't know. I think it's Mexican tonight. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm wondering, Jeff, if your jujitsu studio has a, like a bring a friend day where you can like have Chris pop by with you and just roll a little bit. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it, man. I think I'm uh, the worst for it, uh, but I'm down. I'm sure, Chris, you've thought about MMA at some point in your life, right? Like people are transitioning back and forth between wrestling and MMA all the time. Excited to be invited to bring a friend day. I've never been invited before. You better not be screwing with me here because you got my hopes up. So I better be coming one of your friend day celebrations. Absolutely. It looks like we got a bonus question. Somebody popped this one in here. We did it for everyone. My bonus question, because we didn't get to really touch upon it as much as we totally could. It's a little bit sidetracked, but Chris, you've been in podcasting for so long, as you mentioned, and you know we're really amped about podcasting. My bonus question for you is, What's the biggest lesson you learned from podcasting so far? Honestly, you mentioned how there's over 2 million podcasts. There's so many. And I think this is nothing against anybody. If if someone wants to start a podcast, go for it and have the best time. But it is not easy to be a podcast host. It's one of the hardest things to do. And one of the best things you can do, the biggest tip is listen. That's the best podcasters listen. Anybody that shows up for a podcast or interview that has a list of questions, throw it away because it never works. If we go to a bar and we're hanging out, I don't pull out a list of questions and go, so Jeff, blah, blah, blah. You just start talking. If you go meet a girl at a bar, you don't have a list of questions. You just listen where the conversation goes. It's hard to do that. It's hard to go on and think, how am I going to talk for an hour live without a net to somebody? And that's why so few podcasts really, really are successful. If you can do that, you will probably have a pretty good show because a podcast is not an interview. A podcast is a conversation. That is the best advice I can give you. Love it. Thank you so much. That concludes our Edge Quick Hitters plus bonus question. Do we have this section we call for fan shout outs or listener shout outs. And we've been talking about this internally and we didn't know if there was anybody in your guys' life and your work and your organizations that you wanted to shout out, give a little bit of love that's been helping out on your end, doing any good things. Anybody you guys want to shout out? I won't speak for Chris, but I bet he feels the same way. I'd like to shout out Kevin Smith. No, Kevin obviously was very influential. David's been very influential. But to me, honestly, a shout out to everybody who really embraces what we've been doing. Because like I said, the first two drops sold out very quickly. And it was interesting to me because I don't think a lot of them were maybe old school Chris Jericho fans. I think there's a lot of new people who are getting involved in what we had created. So to me, that's very exciting. And that's the shout out. Thank you for jumping in early because we've got a lot of great stuff coming out. And thank you for understanding and helping me to understand because it's like one of those pictures that you look at for like an hour and you don't see it. And then suddenly you look, it's like, oh, there's a ship. Oh, it's a pirate ship. I, I see it. Once you see it, it locks in. But it does take a while. So it's been a great community and guys such as yourselves to make that happen. Was that like a shout out to Mallrats? Kind of was. But the thing, the reason why, though, is because when he made Mallrats, those pictures were all the rage. I used to get one in the Calgary Sun every Sunday. And I look at this stupid thing and go, there's nothing there. I was like, Ethan Supley, there's nothing there. And then he never saw it. I saw it. You see it now for sure. 
Big love to Kevin, also a former guest of the Edge of NFTs. Great stuff, guys. Hey, before we wrap, fellas, we got to make sure our listeners know where to follow you and everything that you have going on. What's up? I'll interrupt that real quick because I know David wanted to show a panel. Is that the case? If you have that ready, why don't you pull it up? And we could also give a shout out maybe to the artist behind that if there's anybody worth. Yes, that would be a beautiful thing to do. Let's do that. Yeah, I think it, it comes together quite nicely and then we'll wrap. We'll give you a second to load that up. We got to get our socials in and like where people can go to follow you and actions to take. Jeff was about to run into that. Chris, if you want to roll in, that's cool. Just Google me. It's the best way. That's the best way to do it. I mean, at this point in time, you can find me. It's pretty easy. For the paymaker, for the project and everything, is there a particular rabbit hole people should start with? Well, I think, if, yeah, just, I mean, Dave can probably answer, but if you follow Chris Jericho on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all those places, that's pretty much where I'll be able to let people know that it's around. And David can probably tell you where you can actually get more information. And also, as David's working on that, I want to note, we will have a pretty sick giveaway coming as well. Eight NFTs giving access to the first issues. Keep an eye out for all the details on that. We'll run a contest. So we'll put the details out on our socials as well for the Edge of NFT world. All the listeners here, that's a really amazing and generous giveaway. So we do appreciate that, guys. Some kind of meet and greet virtually, Chris, with you that you're planning for your NFT holders, I think will loop in the winners of that contest. They get to learn more about the pain maker and, and your inspiration behind the project, maybe fire off some questions to you one-on-one, which would be a really special opportunity. So I appreciate you helping us with that. Well, it's another great thing is we can do those sorts of things and it all pans out. Here it comes, guys. Can you see it? We can see it. So for the listener, we like to describe what we're seeing. Does anybody want to take that on? It sounds like you're about to, David. We're not going to share too much about it, but we'll say that the story is compelling. and It's a mystery. Access to the story is going to be very inexpensive on par with just getting a single comic in your comic book store. But over time, you will be able to see certain of these frames unlock. And if you have other NFTs, more will unlock. We think there's a lot to do in terms of that aspect of it. And certain of the frames you'll be able to buy as your own NFT so that when you get it, it'll be a variation, a super high resolution and a variation, a deeper look at what was going on in that frame that you will own. So we think we're covering both bases. We want as many people to read it as possible. Very cool. And for the listener, I'll just give like my best description of the frames. There's about four frames here. Top one is a bit of like a black and white grayscale of like a cityscape with this kind of ominous or sort of like elegant bird flying through the air. Some interesting star-like symbols on the flags of the, or pentagram, I don't know, on the flags of the cityscape. The bird is then flying through in front of a theater that says Fozzy on the insignia there. The bottom panel, really cool and colorful. It almost like a mall-like structure with some interesting flags and, and symbols on it. it. Looks like something's about to happen maybe some type of event. There's stuff that's been happening. It's about to happen. I'd like to shout out our artist, John Gardner, who's been working tirelessly on this. Do you have any socials for him? Not to, no pressure if you don't have them on hand. Scribblepunks is what he goes by on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, there it is, guys. Appreciate you sharing that, David. Very cool. Yeah, man, little glimpse of things to come here. Really excited about it. And fellas, look, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks so much for exploring with us. We have space for more adventurers on this starship. 
So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again, fellows, for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.